Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the curated online streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the Movie Review Podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Woo! Or should I say, do whatever you want. We also have Robin Barr. Uh oh. Uh oh. Maybe it was my grieving. I said we also have Robin Barr. Did that? That was my grieving. It was a hiss. I oh. was trying to take off of Bill. You need to we hiss louder anything. next time because I didn't hear that at all. Oh, you didn't hear it. Okay, never mind. Nope. It was a total right. hiss. I'm seeing from Matt that he also didn't seem to hear it. So I don't feel that is so one. weird. Fine. Well, hello. Just a heads up. I've had four white claws today, so I am the most sober I've ever been. I don't even. <laughs> You're hydrated. You're hydrated. You're bougie. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, man. And that other voice, uh, the man who helped to verify that Robin didn't make a noise that was audible on the human spectrum, is Matt Donato. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Happy, happy to be with White Claw enthusiasts. <laughs> the White Claw yeah, Robin, Robin apparently was speaking parcel tongue, so, you know. How dare you insinuate I'm a Slytherin? Uh, first of all, how dare you get offended that someone would think you are a Slytherin? Because I'm obviously a Ravenclaw, duh. Oh, I thought you were a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Excuse me? Is it just because I'm fat that you think I'm a Hufflepuff? No, I think Bill's a Hufflepuff, too. Ooh. What? No, I'm definitely a Gryffindor. Oh, everyone yeah, like says they're a Gryffindor. <laughs> Bullshit. No, like I've ta- I've taken like five different like personality tests on that <laughs> thing. Like Pottermore definitely was like, you're a fucking Gryffindor. Like deal with it, bro. And I'm like, all right, whatever. You're like I got- I'm brave. I'm impulsive. I make decisions for other people. I'm a Gryffindor. I mean, I- I'll be honest. Like if it had sorted me into Slytherin, I would have been like, I understand. I got Slytherin. I don't know. As a perpetual Hufflepuff, I don't know how to take all this talk. Like literally every time I've taken one of those tests, I've been a Hufflepuff. So uh, hmm. fuck you guys. I don't know. <laughs> I, he likes I food. To, I seem to bounce between Slytherin and Ravenclaw. And I'm just like, yeah, those are the most badass sounding ones. I'm good with that. I will say I'm, I'm from Slytherin stock. I oh, have genetic oh. Slytherin code, but I've, I've chosen differently. I've also taken like every like like Bill every test I've ever taken has been Ravenclaw since I was like eleven. This is a fantastic way to start our podcast, which is about <laughs> Army of the Dead. I don't know what we're doing here. Um, anyway, uh, Matt, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? By all means, my name is Matt Donato. I have written for such places as Slash Film, Fangoria, Bloody Disgusting, uh, Ebert Voices, Yada Yada Yada. 
at Donato Bomb on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram. I will tell you all my stuff is, and you can see me writing about horror often, lots of horror things. So I'm very happy to be here to talk about Army of the Dead, which I have lots of opinions on. And yeah, we're here to talk about Army of the Dead, uh, the second film from Zack Snyder to come out this year. I Technically, guess. yeah, yeah I mean, you could say that. You know. this, this movie, the fact that we're talking about it does make me wish that we'd carved out time to talk about the Snyder cut of Justice League. We D- talked D- about it, it plenty. Do you really want to? <laughs> we, we did talk about it a lot on our World to Come episode, oddly. That was like um, a half of the episode <laughs> was like 19th century lesbians and Justice League. Yeah, it was awesome. Anyway, uh, so that's what we're going to talk about before we get into that. The usual stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. And of course, you can find us on uh, iTunes to give us a comment or rating and email us podcast at filmstage.com. You can also give us money by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. Uh, as little as $1 an episode, and you get access to our Slack channel where Robin showed off some awesome looking cupcakes today. Mm-hmm. What were those again? Chocolate coconut with rainbow frosting. Yeah, Jesus. That sounds amazing. <laughs> How could you not want to see that? Um, in addition to that, uh, we are brought to you by Mubi the streaming service that curates exceptional films from around the globe. Every day they add a new film to their service for you to watch and enjoy. So there's always something new to discover. And uh, they've got a bunch of great stuff coming. The one that sounds the most germane to my life, especially as I am on a family vacation right now to the beach, which loyal listeners might know happens this time every year, um, which is also why my audio sounds weird. And I'm taking pictures and videos all the time. Just so many. And I constantly think like, oh, when my daughter grows up, she's just going to have a treasure trove of photos. And so there is a movie on Mubi called Still Processing. In this personal reflection on profound grief, filmmaker Sophie Ramvari meditates or mediates the processing of her own trauma by unearthing and confronting her family archive. This film shows photography's unique relationship to death while also making a strong case for the healing powers of cinema. Sounds like your life, Brian. Right? (laughs) That's, it's just, it's too perfect. So check that out. It is on movie right now and you can get a free 30 day trial by going to mubi.com slash film stage. Again, that is mubi.com dot com slash film stage and that's about that so is there anything else for us to talk about before we launch into our review of army of the dead yeah so i want to bring up something that happened in the slack a few days ago which is uh we were picking out our next movie and brian said something to the effect of if we do cruella over the quiet place too i will kill myself and put you in the suicide note robin no, and I said I, I would at say... you in my suicide tweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, same idea. Um, I just want to put it out there that Cruella was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. It's totally visually just like glorious without being super CGI forward. Um, instead, it's all about the yeah. costuming, the makeup, the hair. Just like a fun time. Is it a little bit long? 
at two hours and plus, yeah, it's a little bit long, but it's fun. Just putting it out there. It is. And like, it has the heist aspect too, which I really wasn't expecting. Like it almost gets a little Guy Ritchie-ish when they're doing a villain. Yeah, exactly. A villain who murders dogs. And you're like, wow, I'm endeared. But like, they found a way to subvert that too. It was nice that I wasn't expecting to like it as much as, you know, Robin said, but it's delightful. It's like a punky Dickensian, like heisty Devil Wears Prada. That's how I thought. Who's, who's like the director the of this? Like Craig Gillespie, who did uh, I Tanya, yeah. which I also love, and the soundtrack no, no, but, is great. But Gillespie also did uh, Fright Night. Um, Indeed. Okay. So with Yeltsin. So, yeah. So that oh, one's like that, that one's a lot of fun. That one's a lot more fun than it has any right to be. <laughs> yeah, that movie was yeah. like you walk in, you're like, oh, this is gonna suck, and then you're like, I'm charmed as hell right now. Yeah. Basically. So, yeah, and I, I like I said I loved Itania, which also had an excellent classic rock soundtrack, and um, yeah, so it was just like a good time at the movies, just putting it out there. Okay, well I uh, maintain what I said. If we ended up doing <laughs> that and not Quiet Place Two, I would have killed myself, and I would have added Robin in my suicide tweet. <laughs> and um, I do know that we have listeners who are deeply concerned about me, and. Uh, are less than excited every time I make an allusion to suicide, but that one's honest. <laughs> so deal with it. I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but I, I like suicide is another aspect of life. It's touched a lot of people. And so I feel like normalizing the discussion of it is an important part of reducing the stigma of mental illness. Yeah. Or as oh, I always say, I, I've known over five people who've killed themselves. I get to make fun of it. So <laughs> I'm allowed. If there's anyone who should be triggered, it should be me. Anyway, well, we uh, all have our coping mechanisms. Talking, yeah, really. Uh, speaking of pulling triggers, let's talk about Army of the Dead. Woo! That's a segue. Or not? That's a segue. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a segue. This movie, um, co-written and directed by Zack Snyder, stars Dave Bautista as the leader of a group of mercenaries i guess is the most succinct way to put it mm-hmm. who break into the quarantined las vegas which has been run over by zombies in order to uh, steal a bunch of money it is out now in theaters and uh was released on netflix this friday um so you can check it out so here we are let's talk about it here is the trailer so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness the boredom overtook us and he began to speak he said son i've made a life out of reading people's faces think about everything we did all those people we saved the way they held their eyes look what he does you don't mind my saying what if i can see you're out of faith what if just once we did something just for us All right, so that's the trailer for Army of the Dead. As I said, it is out on Netflix now. Let's talk about it. We begin, as always, with our nutshell thoughts. Matt, what did you think of Army of the Dead? Uh, I think it was dreadfully dull and severely misunderstood what makes a zombie movie fun. And it tries to focus on the flashy, but there's not a lot of flashy to focus on. And I also think that there's a lot of... uh, 
writing in this film that does not hit me the right way. And I know I've said this online and I got a lot of flack for it, but my biggest issue is I don't know if Zack Snyder has can write a male character without writing a female character to murder, to make them some kind mm-hmm. of emotional sense around them. It, like he can't write a male character without killing a female to make them mean something. And it's oh, just, okay. I thought the way you worded that, I was like, every male character must murder a female. Character. Oh no, sorry. But you mean, sorry. must be I very much by mean. like the fridging. Yeah, they are motivated very much by, I'm trying, because I'm sure I'll launch into it much more later. So Nutshell is just me saying, I don't know if he knows how to write female characters without abusing them. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And uh, that is something we will definitely talk about. Robin Barr, what about yourself? Um, You know, it wasn't pure dog shit, but I definitely was mostly bored throughout it. Um, I have a few sort of very specific complaints. Number one, you know, for a zombie movie, it just doesn't have enough gore. There's a few maybe like splashy pieces where you're like, oh, like that, that could have been interesting if they'd actually lingered on the shot or if they'd actually just done like 20 times more of those sequences where you just see guts and blood and all sorts of shit. Um, and it also just looks so CGI heavy where it really could have used more practical effects to make it at least punch a little harder when you do see those scenes. So not enough gore. Uh, I also hated the sound design. It was just so screechy. It's like you've heard it all before. Nothing about the sound design stood out in any way. So it was just like, okay, another one of these. Um, and I just kept thinking as I was watching it, I wish it was half as fun as Baccarat. And yes, they're very different films, but they had kind of a similar vibe in terms of the setup, in terms of like us versus them and mercenaries and hunting and targeting. And that movie was just like, just so much more of a treat. And this could have been interesting because it has, in my opinion, like a pretty fascinating premise but they totally waste the setting. It could have been so much more of a satire of Vegas than it actually turned out to be. So it just was like, here's a good log line that totally is just turns into a shark. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, it could have been a lot more fun than it actually was. So I, I agree with you, Matt. It's just pretty dull. All right. Bill Graham. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll be the opposite here. Um, I actually really enjoyed this film. Uh, I was not expecting to, at two and a half hours in a zombie film, I was like, holy shit, what are we doing? Um, especially coming off of, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League cut or whatever the fuck. What was that thing called? The Snyder, the Snyder cut? cut. It was, uh, um, it was, it was it, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. The, and uh, <laughs> But it's the Snyder yeah. cut, yes. Correct. Um, so yeah, I actually ended up enjoying that quite a bit. Um, I think it makes a bad movie watchable, which isn't necessarily high praise, but it was definitely <laughs> like, you know, interesting to see a big budget, uh, attempt at that. Um, and this is not nearly as fun as that, uh, which sounds insane because that movie is four hours plus. Um, but that being said, I did really enjoy a lot of this film. Um, some of it is st- 
stupid. Some of it is is <laughs> just brain dead. Like, okay, cool, right? Like we're talking about a zombie movie, so of course. But like, seriously, it's some of it is really really dumb. Um, and they don't follow through in a lot of aspects that I was kind of expecting them to. Um, but that being said, like I enjoyed a lot of these kind of nuances that he's playing with. Um, full disclosure, I've this is a remake as well, um, which is kind of where Snyder got his start, right? Um, and so I haven't seen the original, uh, but you know I've seen enough of the Romero films to kind of know where they're going and kind of know what they ended up doing, and I know this one in particular has a lot of fans like kind of uh like there's a lot of fan love for this uh particular one because it kind of treats zombies in like a little bit different way um it gives them a little bit of intelligence and stuff like that um and so yeah i actually ended up really enjoying this film um but I am definitely not going to sit here and like stick up for it all that much uh, <laughs> because there's definitely aspects that I feel like uh, he could have improved upon. But uh, I, I will say briefly, Robin, I don't know what film you watched, but mine was pretty gory. So that's that's wild that that was your takeaway. <laughs> not enough blood, not enough guts. So what is what is the movie that this is a remake of? Is this not a remake? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, he Romero does have a, uh, a few films where the uh, dead start to actually like reanimate and land intelligent. Yeah. Land of the yeah. Dead is when they get intelligent. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's got, there we go. What's his name? Big Daddy. The guy in the, the jumpsuit. Yep. The gas station attendant. Big Daddy. Yeah. Yep. Even if it's not a, a remake, it's like obviously in the vein of Romero. So no matter what, well, got, uh, the of the dead in the there. title, you know, right? <laughs> it's the vein of Romero, but like filtered through Mountain Dew and like Hoobastank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you said Hoobastank. I was thinking Papa Roach. That's fair, and also I love Hoobastank, so I take that back. Well, let's go with Papa Roach. I, I was gonna say I love Papa Roach, but I don't know if I can even. Find <laughs> Cut my um, life into pieces. Okay. I, I, I do a good karaoke album. of that, by the way. So what you're saying, that wasn't <laughs> your good version of that? No, that was like the preview version. There's a better version in there somewhere. Yes. <laughs> and now we will pause the podcast until Robin agrees to actually sing. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I've given up. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I was walking into this and I was like, you know, Zack Snyder. I don't know that I like him, but I don't hate him. And I sort of respect the singularity of his vision. Um, there's a big thing where a lot of places will be like the visionary director of whatever. And a lot of times they just say that because the person made like one good film. And I think that you could honestly say that Zack Snyder is he's a visionary I don't know if you like it you know I don't know if you're a sure. fan of what he's well doing. name the good film um 300 for like me 300 Dawn mm. of the Dead Dawn of the Dead yeah yeah um people stick up for Sucker Punch I'm not one of them no I, <laughs> I, I own Sucker Punch I'll say it 
Okay, see? But like, I it's, think it's uh, dumb enough to know what it's doing. My, you like all watching... genuinely like these films? It's not ironic? Uh, yeah. No, I love 300. Okay. Dawn yeah, the Dead yeah. is one of my favorite horror remakes ever. I mm. can easily say that, yeah. Agreed. I um Again, I... I remember what I was so psyched for Sucker Punch, and then I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> yeah, this that's is not what I did. What I want." Um, and, but like, and then I love people who are like, "It's about empowerment." Like, how have we not realized that? I'm like, "No, I understand that's what it wants to be, but it's not." Like, you no, that's fail. like a guy fapping saying that. No, <laughs> Jesus, never say. I would prefer you say jerking off. <laughs> never <laughs> jesus christ um and i like the snyder cut like i really did enjoy Zack snyder's justice league um and and i was funny because watching this movie i felt a lot of Zack snyder's justice league because i think that he weirdly is more about the kind of comics level character building than the action like there's a reason that i think people like 300 and the camaraderie between the spartans and they will reference the action scenes but like a lot of their things that they go back to in that movie are quotes that the characters say to each other like you know we will fight in the shade like you like the build-ups and you like what he does with these outsized characters and i think you know, ZSJL um, puts a lot more of that kind of interstitial stuff in, which is why that movie works so much better. And I, I, I had fun with this movie. I, um, I enjoyed it. I think that it's insane and very surface level in a lot of ways, but like I'm on vacation. I was like, God, I have to take two and a half hours of my first (laughs) day on vacation when I should be like getting wasted on the beach and watch this movie. And I watched it and I didn't hate it. Uh, you know, I was sitting there and I, there was a point when I paused it and turned to my brother and said, this movie is crazy. And then I started the movie again and I kept watching it because I wanted to see what happened next. It's, it's not even like, because I was trying to think of other movies that had this kind of effect on me. And like, as far as like two hour plus action movies with insane log lines, like face off has good, honest character work and like not so set pieces and stuff. It's, it's so much more complete than this movie, but somehow this movie is like still workable. It's, it's almost to that level, but it's missing that layer of humanity to really get it up there. But I would still say this is like a solid B. And um and I enjoyed it. I was shocked that I did because I really thought that it had the deck stacked against it. But I liked it. I, think... I want to I just want to be clear. I didn't hate this movie. It was like okay. <laughs> fair at the most, but it just could have been so much better. So I feel like I held it to a pretty high standard because of the horror elements that I was hoping it would have. And it just felt like poorly executed. So I'm I just want to put it out because there. I, I think that walking into this, I was hoping that it wouldn't do horror elements, that it would just use the zombies as an excuse to every once in a while go a little crazy with the action. Like I don't know. I just I never pegged this as being a horror movie. You know, like when when you're able to have a bunch of people 
who are used to killing zombies, you know, like whenever your zombie team is trained, it just, it feels less scary, you know, and it's just never going to be scary. Hmm. Well, I guess it's for me about zombie movies. I mean, I don't know necessarily because I went in wanting to be scared as well. I went in wanting to enjoy it as mm-hmm. a horror film. And I went in specifically knowing that Dawn of the Dead was my favorite Zack Snyder movie so far. So mm-hmm. I was going into this saying my two favorite Snyder movies are going to be zombie movies. It's obvious the dude knows how to make a zombie film with Dawn of the Dead. And this looked to have a lot of trailer aspects that had me intrigued. And like this was going to be a larger scale horror event film. And what you said before about Snyder being a visionary, I agree that he is very good at being a visionary who can direct other people's work. And the Mm -hmm. biggest thing that I walk away Mm. from army of the dead with is I really, really wish that somebody else wrote this. And I know he only co-wrote. I know there were two other people involved with the screenplay. Mm -hmm. This still feels like so much just a Snyder product. And I think why I like Dawn so much is because that's James Gunn's script. That's Zack Snyder mm-hmm. doing what Zack mm-hmm. Snyder does best and focusing on the cinematography and elements of that nature. He was the DP on Army 2. I mean, this is what he wants to do most. And I feel like when he writes and he gets lost in these stories, it takes away from everything. So where Dawn of the Dead was ferocious, it was terrifying. It was playing with fast movies, moving zombies in a way that had not really been done to that point. And that felt like a huge event for horror fans, for any kind of fan watching it. And Army of the Dead just feels like this blob of a movie that has some good ideas. And it is trying to do, as you said before, Land of the Dead, a Romero film, did try to do something with intelligent zombies. And Army's trying to do that too. But there's so much going on between not going full into the zombie mythology, not going Mm -hmm. full into these character dynamics, not going full into anything and giving you a surface value two and a half hour long film that is just, (laughs) again, just a blob. Yeah, There's too much here working against it. So for me, like that was the biggest letdown. I know what Snyder can do behind the camera, what he can deliver to horror fans and how he can work with zombies. And none of that shown for me. Mike, drop. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, 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 I cannot argue against that because I, I definitely feel like Zack Snyder as a writer is is the last thing I want to see for most of the time. Right. Um, I don't know that his character work is necessarily all that creative or good. Um, I think as a visual storyteller, like there's a reason that like the man of steel trailer, like had as much buzz around it as it did. And it's not just because it was kind of cribbing some of these, you know, beautiful shots that a lot of people were like, Oh, it looks like Malik. And it's like, okay, well just because it's a beautiful shot doesn't mean it's fucking Malik. Like, (laughs) come on, let's, wide angle through grass at golden hour i mean it's totally malik sure uh but you know i think his visual style is very unique and like a lot of people recognize it right and if you watch the snyder cut like (laughs) one of my friends texted me and basically said yes but slow-mo question mark is that necessary and i was just like yeah that's kind of his thing, right? And he does that in this film. He does that in just about every single one of his films. I don't know if Army of the or uh, of 
what what am I thinking of? What Dawn, what's his first his remake? Movie? Dawn. Yeah. Does that <laughs> does that have any slow mo? I can't remember. I, not off the top of my head. Uh, it, again, I I use the word ferocious because that is what that film is to me, and I feel like mm-hmm. if he did his slow mo gag there, I wouldn't be calling it ferocious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I know a lot of that kind of started with three hundred. That one has a lot of big visual sequences where he he throws that in, right? Um, and he would argue that I don't use slow mo. He calls it, I think, speed ramping, which is you know fine fair whatever (laughs) but uh you know put a name on your staple that's cool but uh yeah i i don't have any issues with a lot of his visual aspects um but i do have a lot of quibbles with his character building and sometimes the amount of time that he spends doing some of this stuff um I do feel like as much as I enjoyed this film, I didn't get like a full understanding of what the zombie hierarchy is. Now, again, that may be on purpose because if you read between the lines and read some of the trades and things like that, there's already a prequel based on this and an animated series based on this in production. Mm -hmm. Right. Wait, and it's just like I'm thinking a graphic novel. No, no, I'm not kidding at all. Like Netflix is going all in on this shit. And it's a so, franchise now. Y- so wait, yeah. What was and the, so hold on. So did he come up with this idea and like pitch it as being all these different things? Or did I, do, Netflix, I don't know. I don't know. But it's much. been in development since 2007. That's 14 oh, years. And he's, yeah, he's been, tried to get this made for so long. And uh, this the prequel is being directed by uh, the actor who is playing the safe cracker in Army. So he's actually directing the prequel and it's going to focus on him and his team of thieves in a different world inside Army of the Dead. It's going to be interesting. So the guy <laughs> who played Dieter is going yes. to be directing. Mm-hmm. Directing Army and starring. Thieves. Yep. Okay, that has apparently been completed, and it's <laughs> coming out this yep. year. Looks like it. Yep. I think. There's, so, is there a trailer? There might even be a trailer ready. So like, like, they're, they're ready for this. They, they don't show a trailer. They do yeah. say no, a prequel set before the events of Army of the Dead, which focuses on Ludwig Dieter leading a group of survivors during the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Okay. Which which doesn't doesn't make any sense considering what the movie I just watched, but okay, we'll we'll go well, with it. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> yeah, let's not spoil anything. I was about to say during the training montage, he is kind of handy with a gun, so maybe sure, maybe that's got it. Um, oh, it's got a <laughs> Natalie Natalie Manuel in it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's it, look like it, the other thing that I I will say is I also like a lot of his casting. Like the casting in this film is is really really good. And, and look, like w- we could talk about Batista all day long. Like I I I love that guy. Like he is everything to me that The Rock should have been. Um and like wow, he's calling just calling out a, The Rock like that. Well, I mean, really trying to shake it up here. What is what is the rock done? Like, I don't know. Um, And so, like, I really (laughs) I I love uh, what Batista's done with his career so far and like all these interesting things. And he's really found kind of his his, 
you know, niche, this kind of, you know, muscle with heart and everything like that. But, um, I also really enjoy a lot of the sporting cast and characters around this film. Um, and I think, Snyder sometimes doesn't get enough credit for that, like kind of picking these people out um, to, and you know, he's not just casting a bunch of stars. I mean, honestly, like Tig Notaro's maybe like the second most famous person in this film. And she, she like was inserted into this film digitally. So that's a whole other mind fuck of a thing you know, entirely. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoy a lot of this cast, uh, that he's assembled for this. And I think whether the film is having a lot of fun, I think they are having a lot of fun and they're kind of playing it in a way that that makes sense to me at least. Um, but yeah, I, I will say that I wish it was a little bit less not self-serious because I feel like that's that's such a criticism of like a film like trying too hard for something that it doesn't necessarily earn I think this film earned some of its self-seriousness just because of like what it's dealing with but I also feel like it stumbles to really kind of nail some of that kind of stuff. And, and that what, that's what makes it feel hokey. I don't mind a zombie feel film kind of taking itself seriously. Like, you know, the horde of the walking dead and they're like going back into it for like a fucking heist. Like this is crazy banana shit, you know? And, and they even have like fun where they have this whole sequence towards the beginning of the film that like kind of jokingly shows them like like rolling in like hot shit and just like mowing down zombies which you know of course they end up doing throughout a lot of this movie but it it just kind of plays it for a laugh you know and so i think this film is aware of it being kind of silly and kind of goofy um even that opening sequence is really kind of goofy and fun yeah it was probably the Um, best scene in the whole movie (laughs) wait the the sequence with the woman giving a man a blowjob and that causing the zombie apocalypse roadhead specifically caused the zombie apocalypse yeah all right fair fair enough <laughs> How, but but uh, can we just roll through like every bad thing that's ever happened in a movie because of Roadhead? We have Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> we have Gypsy Curse. <laughs> Something happened on Girls once that caused a car accident, I believe. Wait, yeah. say that again? just don't mess on around girls. in a car. <laughs> I never saw the girls, bad, so. bad, bad oh, idea. Girls is so good. The television show, right? Yes, the television show. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never seen that. I just I want to go back to what everybody was saying about Zack Snyder because I so I don't mean to sound like super elitist or something when I say that I don't really understand his films. I mean, there's plenty of like shitty shit that I love um, that I'm not like I will never apologize for loving, but I just I, I don't understand what his vision is like when people talk about, oh, this guy's a real visionary, at least a visual storyteller. I don't really see it because. I feel like his movies are so CGI heavy in a way that like doesn't look good to me. So I'm, what am I missing here? Like, I really want to know. I honestly, I was, I was looking at this movie and I was like, oh, this is, 
it is very CGI heavy. It doesn't look like it's real, but there's some level of that unreality that I enjoy. Like I love his mm-hmm. like razor thin, shallow focus. Like, you know, just the, 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 the barrel of a gun will be in focus and the front sight will be out of focus. Like it's three millimeters of space in which something will be in focus. And, um, I don't know, just, Honestly, like the way the camera moved, like during the 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 scenes where they were putting the the band back together, um, with uh, I think it was Scott and Maria, uh, in her like junkyard, you know, just mm-hmm. th- there is there is an unreality to his compositions and what he does that I I kind of dig, and I I would like, almost... yeah, it's, it doesn't look real, but I still dig it. I would also say the darkness. He does really good stuff with, I mean, I know the phrase dark and gritty is something that is overused to hell. And as a horror fan, it got butchered after <laughs> uh, the early 2000s. And every horror movie had to be dark and gritty because that's what was selling at the time. But I think if there's one director that actually does that style quite well, it is Zack Snyder. And if we are talking about the word visionary, and again, I only use that in an application of someone behind the camera and literally through vision, like cinematography is where he shines. And I actually don't think it comes out in Army of the Dead at all. I actually think this is one of his dullest mm-hmm. and kind of least like least appealing in terms of signature because it does get muddled. It gets blurry. It It's playing with colors that are kind of not really usually his forte. And once you put like shadows and once you're doing something in a superhero world where he knows how to make something look grand and epic, at least to me, I, I think that's mm-hmm. where it comes through. And he knows how to put a shot together that looks way better than it probably should. And again, that word epic is where I think he wins a lot of his fans over. He gives you something that is just kind of like a big visual feast. And to me, it's at its best when it's playing with shadows. It's playing with a lot of these effects in a dark lit area and just this sternness and seriousness to his cinematography. I just feel it's something that he's gotten very good at and a lot of other people haven't. So that's where I give it credit, but it's pretty much where my credit stops. (laughs) It's really helpful to hear this because I, my husband and I were talking about this movie and we both kind of looked at each other like, it wasn't, you know, obviously not the worst movie we've ever seen by far, but we were like, is Zack Snyder like the worst major director, like currently popular? Like we just, neither of us could really figure it out. And what I'm hearing is that there's just like a lot of language that I'm missing here. Um, that could be the reason. And But it's not just me. It's, my husband feels the same way. And we just, uh, he, he likes maybe more quiet films sometimes. He's much bigger fan of action films than I am. So I will cop to the fact that I am, I maybe have a bias against big action films because I just find action kind of boring um, in a way that like maybe an intimate mm-hmm. drama is not boring to me. So like, that's very much my own perspective here um and i am open to what you guys are saying so i'm i'm not trying to cast aspersions against this or your taste or anything like that i just want to make it clear i'm really trying to understand why he appeals so widely well i think he's like competent uh, michael bay (laughs) like i don't mm, i don't know a better way to put it like um i i it, it's that, I, it's that it is uh, if you want if you, I, I if don't you know. like movies like this you know which which i do i enjoy movies like this you know and you want them to be made with some sense of visual style i mean it's um oh what's the ugh, crap this would have been better if i could have remembered off the top of my head who directed oblivion oh, oh. <laughs> yeah oh. 
Yeah. Not Krasinski. It's, no, it's something Kozinski. like that. It's Joseph Kaczynski. Kaczynski. Like, yes. He I also remember, did Tron. Yeah. And he, he did, um, he's, he's doing the new Top Gun, right? I believe so. Okay. Um, and he also, yeah, he's doing Top Gun Maverick and then he did only the brave, but I mean like between Tron and oblivion, I was just like, Oh, like shit. This is like what good, competent, like tracking movement through space filmmaking is. And we haven't seen this in a while. Um, I, uh, to that end, I, I watched rush hour for the first time in forever, like a couple days ago. Cause I was mm-hmm. exhausted and I was laying on my couch and all of the rush hour films are on HBO max. And I was like, I'm going to watch rush hour. You, I remember you don't, you don't have to give that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're just going to accept that. I felt <laughs> you're like you're giving rush a lot hour. of, re- yeah, you, you're going to give a lot of reasons to watch rush hour. It's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's a great movie. I, like that's the thing is I watched it and I was perfectly ready to be like, Oh God, why did I ever like this? But like, it's good. Like the characterization is good. Like the, spatial competency from scene to scene is good like you always know where everyone is and what they're doing and i'm just like it's so weird that we took this level of baseline workmanship for granted because after watching like a billion marvel movies and all the other crap that's come out between now and then i'm like yeah now i understand why people were like brett ratner good director until you know suddenly he wasn't and he was also a (laughs) person but like Watching Rush Hour, I was like, this is crazy just how good this is. He did the original X-Men's, right? No, he did the shitty third X-Men. The, Never mind. The yes. Singer. X-Men it was Singer. By the, uh, rapist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Singer also sucks. Jesus. Yeah. I do really like the first X-Men, though. I like... Uh, yeah, that one's good. I, yeah, I like X-Men. I like X-Men United. What was the other one? What was the one that took place in the 70s? First class? First class. That was a good one. First yeah. class. First class is fucking great. That's a great Phenomenal movie. movie. Uh, that actually gives Magneto something really cool to do. Um, but, uh, okay. <laughs> so, one thing I will say about Snyder is that he is a very hyper violent and hyper visualizing kind of director right and you just have to be on that wavelength there's there's no like he is a fast moving train and if you're just not ready for that you, it's going to pass you by and so i feel like you know it it's not just the language of the action movie because you may find some other action films that are kind of on a wavelength uh that you would enjoy robin but uh i don't like if if you're kind of just blanket like i don't really like action movies i would never recommend (laughs) i would never say i don't like action movies it's just like one of my least favorite genres because i i find that shot 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 like very uh i start to tune out so (laughs) this is like maybe my neurodivergence coming through or something i'm just like shots 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 shots. (laughs) (laughs) like i thought dark knight was kind of boring like it's fine Oh boy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a different kind of action movie altogether too. Yeah, was that I know. Like, <laughs> you even put them together in that way. It's like Well, just it's always my go-to example of like a movie that is considered one of the best X of all time that I it just I kind of missed the boat on it. Whereas actually I really enjoyed the action of say 
Black Panther. Like that really worked oh, for Jesus. me. I thought that was so I well done. The action in that movie. I thought that everything about that movie was good except the action, really. Oh, that's um, so funny to me. Well, it's just it's a, it's a matter of taste, right? It's not like yeah. good or bad or what. I just I, I I it's really helpful to hear this perspective because it's one of the things that I am I feel most searching about is like what is what is the um why do people consider Snyder an auteur in in some ways and I think this is really getting at the heart of it I am um, also he I mean, needs a cult so it. I mean that's the other part of it. <laughs> yeah no kidding but the story I, is just not there I mean the characters are not there it's we really should get into spoilers pretty soon because I have a lot of complaints yeah I was gonna say yeah, like my can, complaints are in that world too yeah like almost immediately I, I will say that I think Zack Snyder is a little bit like um Gore Verbinski and and a couple other uh, people I know and I would I would call them almost like prog rock like mm-hmm. if you've tried them once and it, you didn't like it I don't think there's any option that it's ever mm-hmm. going to move over like mm-hmm. you're just not a prog rock person and that's totally fine yeah you just don't like tool it's okay <gasps> who could ever say that <laughs> You're not a fan of Rush. Muse does nothing for you. You know, you're, it's cool though. You don't have to. Yeah, but except like Snyder's three levels below any of those bands. He's like <laughs> seriously, no. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, sure I was enough. just naming prog rock bands. I was trying to say that Zach is Snyder tool is considered prog rock. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I mean, I yeah, I believe they, they, you. They consider King King Crimson to be one of their like biggest influences. So when you name King Crimson, I guess you know I think of it differently. Like prog rock to me, like the Rush style prog rock is so different than like the metal version of it. So I maybe that's just where I'm I mean, not. It's all like, rock. kind of like Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight is a lot different from <laughs> Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um, oh lord all right let's get some spoilers up in here because i have thoughts i yeah i do want to talk about spoilers before we get into like the thoughts and everything i just want to take the moment to be like tignataro in this movie is amazing i love her love her her first scene when they walk up and they're like you know hey we got a mission like you know two million dollars she's like oh two million dollars yeah i'm in i don't i don't care and they're like (laughs) that's it you don't get the most realistic part of the movie like you don't want to know i love her anything she's like well you're talking to me i assume it involves a helicopter but like i hate my life exactly two million dollars is life-changing like yeah let's do it it was so i I love her so much and like i will just put out a quick plug to her show one mississippi which is Mm -hmm. just a very short uh a, a sad com that she did a few years ago you know you'll spend maybe 12 episodes on it but it's so good and she's great on it and i want to see her more she is so perfect that it's almost like insane that it was ever cast with anyone else. And I wonder if they mm-hmm. rewrote the part for her. It's I, I mean, I could sort of see Chris D'Elia doing yeah. something similar. I think yeah, it was, it's a very D'Elia I mean, role. And I fucking hate him, he's not so in like, it. Yeah, I feel like he would suck saying those same lines. Yeah, oh, 100%, <laughs> yeah, I tried to even imagine it. And I was like, thank God they got Nataro to do it. Because I just think, I think yeah. D'Elia got in with the right crowd. And that's the only reason he was in that movie. But. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, spoilers. Um, what's up? <laughs> what, do, what do we want to talk okay. about? Okay, Jesus. All right. What? A, what a transition. <laughs> I thought you spoilers, had something go. to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Not enough gore, and and the only gore we get is this poor zombie queen who gets fridged and then 
post-mortem abortion. Like, that's it? Like, well, okay, I don't think the, it was the, the tiger. Come on, the tiger scene so, is pretty gory. Baby oh, killed because she got her okay, hold on, off. hold on, Robin. Robin, you can't, <laughs> you can't sit down. You can't, you can't shoot down everybody that has an alternative opinion to you <laughs> saying that it's not gory. Okay, so it's just that it's not gory enough like for a zombie movie. It should be viscera I, I, okay, everywhere. Okay, okay, okay. We, we, Wait, we've we've heard your say. <laughs> so, Brian, do you think this film is gory enough? I don't know. Uh, for me, okay, yeah, that's not an answer. Fine. It was a fine amount, but I'm not a gore hound. Like, so that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like. <laughs> Like, if I give my daughter, you know, some chili and you ask her, like, Cora, is this spicy enough? She'd be like, yeah, but I'd be there, like, crushing up habaneros and reapers in it being like, no, give me more. You know? Okay. So obviously, you know, for me, it is fine. And I would say that you cannot deny that there is gore in it. But if it's enough, it's <laughs> Fact, there is gore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm remembering particularly gory moments. And that's not to say that you, you don't need more of it, but again, the tiger scene alone, where we have the retribution of the tiger mm-hmm. getting revenge, uh, basically eviscerates a human body and then bites the head in half. And you get to see all of the gory brain chunks and things that yeah, are still it, on the, like, I, I think it there explodes are like a pineapple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just pops. And I think there's a few other moments in there that get particularly gory, but like, I also do know what you're saying in the sense where, if we're talking about Zack Snyder, who is hyper-violent, and again, who has done Dawn of the Dead and all these other things that are kind of really gory, I I just feel like he didn't put everything into it in every aspect of this film. And it just comes out to be one of those movies you're mm-hmm. like, I think it got there. I think it could have done more if maybe one person wasn't trying to do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, so I, so this is this is one of those this is a, a bowling uh like a it, it's like hitting nine pins, right? It goes right down the center. It hits nine pins. You're like, good effort. But uh, the, the whole point <laughs> is, is supposed to hit 10. And also like, you can't put a little spin on that. Like, come on. Right. You know, you know so, you're yeah. never going to get all 10 by going straight down the center. Yeah. I'll so say this. Hit, like four pins. And I, I thought <laughs> the Revenant did a better job with gore. I'm because sorry, did you call it the Revenant? And also, is that yeah, your comparison point? <laughs> what is it supposed to be? Jesus, the Revenant? The, no, it's no. the Revenant. It's it's not French. What are we doing here? It is a no, French origin word. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Le Revenant was better because it it did what it was exactly supposed to do within the context of the of the story like you you know you you experience exactly what he's going through because of these um body changing experiences that are happening through the movie if i'm going into a if i'm going into a a movie where it's all about zombies sort of being destroyed wouldn't you want wouldn't you just see um destruction everywhere it seemed to like there seemed to be so many uh scenes where the camera cuts away just when you get like a limb flying or something and i'm not talking about the set pieces like you're describing that which is um you know the tiger or the the head getting cut off the queen or the gray fetus like or the even the face coming off and squashing like those were like five things when it should have been like 
every scene having something like the way that I think the boys does it very well, where it feels very realistic. Um, I'm still with what? Lady Ravenclaw. Okay, really? <laughs> yes, yes, that is the first thing. The one where he gets attacked by the bear. Yeah, and that movie is like bloody as shit. That at least I, I'm still trying yes. to get the connection there. It's Sorry. a it's a very gory movie. What I'm saying is, if like for the for the to be able to tell the story that that movie does, and putting it in like the historical context and making you really understand the character, it gives you tons of just like violence and blood and horrors and and all that kind of stuff, and it's unrelenting. Whereas the Army of Dead should have been more unrelenting, I think, for the context. Right, like they're doing a heist against a a zombie infested las vegas like shouldn't it have been more in your face i think this film is more bubblegum pop than you're giving it credit right I, and maybe i think that's the issue and I, I this is kind of what i brought up earlier when everyone was like for a horror movie it's very light i was like whoa was this supposed to be a horror movie and like i don't look, know look how at the this trailer marketed you know, yeah, look at the trailer and look at the poster. Like it it looks so this reminded me so much of like a more fun version of Suicide Squad. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of what I got from it. Uh, now, yeah, especially now that I'm looking at the poster that you, I think you're talking about Bill. The like, neon lights is, and all that stuff. Yeah. Always yeah. bet on dead. Yeah. But yeah. So it, it wants to be that, though, and it wants to be all these things. I just don't know if it ever knows what the hell it is. And I say that mm-hmm. in the sense that yes. what Robin said is great, actually, in the sense where if we're talking about The Revenant, you do understand the historical I'm sorry, context. pronounce you it correctly, like, please. Sorry, The Revenant, or however, <laughs> however that was. The Revenant. Um, in any case, the movie where Leo fights the bear, the one we all know. Uh, (laughs) historical context is there you understand the character you understand what the character's going through and why they're going through it and everything is part of the story it's done in a way that you don't really need to focus on it too much but the comprehension is easy and where army of the dead struggles so much for me number one is it's trying to be a zombie movie that does something that is bonkers batshit with zombies that it really doesn't explain a lot of it opens on the patient zero fast forwards in time we've already gone through batista's whole crew doing what they had to do as mercenaries yeah and they're coming back together again but we don't get any of the back together or sorry the back together again doesn't give us any of the real good context that we need yeah except that oh during the credits a woman and her daughter died so of course Batista's <laughs> sad because a woman and her daughter died then right, we fast forward even more and then we get all these th- well, I was going to say, as far as the woman and the daughter dying, like that's in addition to him apparently also having to have at some point killed his own wife. Oh, right. I was getting to that. Don't Which... worry, because that happens later <laughs> when he has to kill his own wife on camera to make sure that we understand why his daughter's maybe a little mad at him. Turns out he's just bad at communicating, and that's why, blah, blah, blah. In any case, <laughs> I do so, love uh, so again, we've already established the fact that we don't really have good context for the zombies that are very different from any zombie we've seen. We have a team of mercenaries coming together that should be more fun than it is. And it's not because, again, the context from their first heist and all these things is not there. And then you add the elements of every time they try to drop a little romantic insert. Oh, guess what? That woman's dead. So that yep. person had to die <laughs> because Dave Batista needed some emotional development. And we develop our men in this movie by killing women. Uh, another one of the females dies because she is betrayed by part of the team, which I still won't spoil, but she has every 
chance to tell the team who betrayed her, every chance even to ask for help still. And there was such a prolonged yes. cut on her yep. just looking at Guzman and just Dear dying dog, there God. so that Guzman can have his moment. And that's without even saying again, Zack Snyder could not even write a zombie king without writing a zombie queen to behead on camera <laughs> to make him mad. So like it is just baffling <laughs> yeah. to me. It was like, like the Night King's wife getting dead. It was it's, like, what? It's so bad to me though, because to me it's lazy writing. I'm a horror fan through and through who fucking loves Midnighters. Give me the gorier, give me the crazier. I mm-hmm. want to see. Listen, this is gonna sound insane, but like kill a kid on camera, you're probably getting a half a star more from me. <laughs> You've killed a child in a horror movie. Like, yes. Yes. Like you have done a thing that people are afraid to do. So I am not one to say you cannot kill a woman on camera in a horror. Kill a fucking dog on camera. That's two stars just off the bat. If you are willing to do the things, like that is what we're Take risks. Nobody wants to see kids die, but I understand what you're saying. It's the risk taking. The risk taking is fine, but it's not doing it in a lazy way. So like that's where I got a lot of pushback on. Like Mm -hmm. horror should be unsafe. You're an idiot. Those women should die. It's okay. But like (laughs) they should do it in a way that actually makes sense to the story. And I wouldn't have the problem. Like I just think Army of the Dead is fucking. Yeah, no, it's just poorly written. It's not doing the wrong things. It's just poorly written at what it's doing. I want to I want to focus on that sequence where uh, one of the characters is betrayed by her own team, and then she ends up battling back. She's kicking all sorts of ass. She jumps out of this window, and there's like twenty feet of distance between them, her, and then maybe like four or five zombies around her and then like maybe 10 15 feet back there are the shambling dead right which is what we'll kind of call the uh the ones that just kind of move around very slowly right and the drones because because batista and everybody else looks at them looks at the sequence and is like no, she's unsavable. Let's go. Meanwhile, they have high-powered, high-powered rifles that they seem to fucking John Wick headshot everything. <laughs> and you're just like, hold on. Can, can you not go 20 feet that direction? She hasn't been bit. She's not being devoured right now. She's very much alive, kicking ass, like fighting back. And you're just like, not un- nope she's dead and i'm just like like so much of this film is written in a way that like kind of makes that sense that threads that needle where you're like okay i get it now we have to make a sacrifice to these zombies that are intelligent because they have a like little territory around this area and she has this like nice speech about like you think it's a prison they think it's a kingdom and i'm like all right this is cool like you're setting up all of this stuff and then you give me a sequence like that where it's just like what the fuck are we even doing here? Like y- you set up glow sticks as a path to kind of get around these zombie drones because you can't, you can knock into them, but you can't like knock into them. Right. And you can't like shoot a high powered rifle, which is another thing. Like they're running around with unsilenced weapons all over the place. And I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, did we not learn any lessons? But you know, it's one of those things where you just watch that sequence and you watch it go down and you're like, this is just shitty writing. Like, this is very (laughs) it's it's either shitty writing or it's just incredibly poorly staged set piece that doesn't understand the writing that's surrounding it. 
right? So either way, it's a fail. Like, yeah, like, and that's kind of a microcosm of the film as a whole, where mm. it's got all of these good things. It's got all of these things that you're like, okay, you're doing this right. You're doing this well. Like, like, I mean, I think everybody kind of agrees. Like, I didn't hear any pushback, but like that opening sequence is really fucking good. Oh, yeah, really that's cool. great. And it's like, again, when we cool. say the opening sequence, are we talking about the roadhead scene? Um, yes. more like oh that I thought you were talking about the um no, more more the the massacre. Okay, I was oh, thinking the crash, but not yeah, the like the song and the the Las Vegas sort of killings. That's what I was thinking you're referring to. Yeah, I would, I thought oh, you were referring you, to the sense where they have the quick. Uh, this is how we're gonna do it: smash and grab. It's gonna be so easy. Gotcha. I that is my favorite part of the entire movie because I agree. It's the only time the movie feels fun. It's the only time the movie feels like it actually knows the movie it is, and that is mm-hmm. you know the opening of we're gonna blow through Vegas, do this so quick, we're all gonna get out happy and get our million dollars. That also Dave Batista lies to people about, and again, it's a very stupid thing in the film, but you know. MacGuffin, whatever. He gives everybody matter, though, in the increasingly green lower monies. <laughs> and like, you think that's going to set up a moment, though. Funny, you just think because gonna it set up a moment shows, like, <laughs> some people, the barrier to entry is so much lower. Like, they never, sure. they never come to someone who's like, oh, that's not enough money in the world. Like, you know, he's like, the three of us will get 15 each, and then we'll just give other people whatever. And like take the targets two million, and mm-hmm. you think that she's gonna be like, oh, that's a, that's it, and instead she's like, fuck yeah, like where do I sign up? Like shut up, I'll be there, it's fine. Guzman's like three hundred k. He's just like, wait, I get to kill zombies? Cool. All right, cool. Yeah, because he's yeah. like famous but, but, online for it. He's like a TikTok star. Yeah. <laughs> but but you zombies. are right. Like they they show up to the safe just filled with cash, and nobody else, nobody around them is like. I'm only getting $15,000. Like what? What? And that's like, like how much no money betrayal. is this? You're setting up a betrayal. You're setting <laughs> yeah. up Batista oh. to have to fight against that sometime. And, ha- you know, whoever, whatever character it is, be like, wait a sec. There's a lot more money here. Or wait a sec. You said me to this to me. Why did that person get a different number? And it's just one of many instances where something Zach tells us is important in the script through dialogue means nothing. And that goes right to the very end where there's a character in the helicopter who is integral to everyone dying. There's a decision made (laughs) to save someone. And that person is in the helicopter on the way out. And we never see them again after the crash. They mean so little to the grand scheme. (laughs) We just assume she died. Right, exactly. Uh, The one character that has like influences everything in the movie doesn't mean anything at the end. And that's my microcosm for the entire film. My microcosm for the film is Zack Snyder has no idea how to fulfill any of the promises that he gave us in this movie. And like one after the other, he just shows that it really doesn't matter. And sure, you're here to have fun. And that's what all the critics online who are like writing positively about it, that's not to say they're wrong, but they thought it was very fun. I couldn't find the fun here. I was so caught up on everything else. Well, so for me, uh, that, that, Money thing is not a setup to me. That literally is like, it's just fun to watch these people, you know, short sell other people who are totally still psyched to do it and aren't like, yeah, well, how much are you getting? You know, they're just like, oh yeah, hell, that sounds great. Like one of the guys is offered like 20 grand and he's just like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. Like, that sounds (laughs) great. Like, again, it just shows that like these people, the barrier to entry for a very dangerous situation for each of them is, is very different. And I kind of like the fact that like Tig says like, that's life changing money for me. 
Like, why wouldn't yeah. I do that? And I was thinking, like, yeah, honestly, like, if someone said 200 grand to go into a zombie place, I'd be like, oh, fuck, yeah, probably. You know, that's, yeah, let's do it. I really doubt you would. Um, I, what What kind of annoyed me most about this movie is that I thought we were gearing up to to really subvert a lot of stuff, specifically with Martin Garrett Delahunt's character. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I'm the late Mm -hmm. addition who's here to ensure that Mr. Tsnaka's interests are covered. And for a while, he seemed honestly excited to be there. Like, as though he were (laughs) like, oh, this is great. Like, you guys are so cool. You've got all your guns. And I thought that, like, the big twist was going to be, like, everyone suspects him and that he's really just just there to make sure that they are playing fair and that they're actually going to get the money out. And he really is just like super psyched to be around all of them. And so when it turns out that he is the guy that this guy always is in all these movies, I was actually kind of annoyed by that. It's not unfair because Garrett Dillahunt is actually a really versatile actor and he can do comedy really well and he can do Mm -hmm. sweet really well. And I've seen him do that in sitcoms and things like that so it it is funny that you mentioned that he keeps getting cast as this like nefarious character actor because he he really is i meant his character type where it's like you know oh you're all going on a heist at the behest of a billionaire but i think you have a good point like yeah he he ends up playing these like douches i think when i know that he can do a lot more right and so i was kind of hoping i was hoping he'd be more like the sheriff's deputy in um, No Country for Old Men rather than the highwayman in The Road, you know, to go to two different Mm. Cormac McCarthy adaptations for him. I really liked, um, what was her name? The the coyote, the French coyote. coyote? Oh, Lily. (laughs) Yeah. She was great. I I would love to see her. (laughs) Yeah, she was really fun. Um, Really brought something to the role. Yeah, what what's her name? Arnaz. She should have Nora Arnazada. She should have a prequel. That'd be cool. Yeah, like her. I mean, yeah, her her just like figuring like, out like that stuff about the zombies and like the hierarchy and like how she has to make sacrifices and her first interactions with uh with <laughs> Roy's tiger. Uh, tiger and then. Y- yeah and then you know like she mentions like she's she's got like a backstory like she's she's brought in a lot of people that didn't end up surviving she's brought in a lot of people that ended up surviving that maybe got uh taken by the olympus crew and all of this stuff so she's got like a very interesting backstory and uh i I love the sequence when she's kind of introduced when this lady like sneaks up on her (laughs) and she's sleeping with a fucking loaded weapon and you're just like no this is this is a bad scenario why are we why are we waking this woman up right now like let's let's approach her when she's had some coffee and you know a donut or something this is the type of yeah right as if she would eat a donut (laughs) um this is the type of movie where like i feel like the margins of the world are a lot more interesting to me than the story itself definitely um my dad, you know, was like, what, what movie do you have to watch for your podcast? And I was like, it's, it's called Army of the Dead. <laughs> He's like, oh, so it's not Casablanca then. And I was like, actually, you know, what's funny is 
that the first Please part of the movie <laughs> very heavily plays on the concepts from Casablanca. Like, oh, you know, we can get an exit visa if we just get enough money. We can get out of this, like, you know, neutral area holding pen where the police are corrupt and everything sucks. I was like, yeah, it's very much like a bunch of people looking for transit papers and playing at Rick's, hoping to get enough money to bribe the police prefecture. But then they go, no, like, yeah, I really like that comparison, (laughs) except that, uh, I don't know. I don't think it actually does a good job of doing what it sets out to do here. Right. And so I think that's the thing is like, I, I enjoyed this movie to it, to an extent, like I said, it's like a solid B I I had fun watching it, but like, it's weird. Cause you talk about like prequels or sidequels or, you know, animated whatever's I'm just like, yeah, I could see that. Cause you have created an interesting world here. Um, and I would, I would be down to check that out. Well, did you catch the if, aliens in the movie? I'm sorry, did you, did you say what? <laughs> did, did you catch the aliens in the movie? No. What? <laughs> yeah. Go back to the first scene, that first uh, sequence that everyone seems to love. And since they're leaving Area 51, Zack Snyder very much put aliens flying away as the, as the uh, military drives off, which is causing people <laughs> to think that there oh. may be some kind of alien inclusion in, in the coming franchise. An alien inclusion. I yeah. like What's that. Crazy is I know what you're talking about. I yeah, The lights. The lights. Yeah, because I was... um. When I was watching the movie, I saw that and I was like, oh, this must be in media res and they're firing like artillery or something. And then I was like, oh, are we just not going back to those lights? Is that just nope. that is now as of like two days ago, it's been the hot buzz on the Internet that those are indeed aliens. So Zack Snyder, I think, might be playing with aliens versus zombies at some point. He's, he's been watching so- too much 60 Minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm much more interested in real life aliens, frankly. <laughs> yeah i um that's interesting i i mean you know we don't know where this zombie guy comes from so it's possible that it's that he's an alien this I, what is that could, that could be a weapon like the patient zero yeah yeah i, I, I mean, love i love how who grows hair <laughs> mind you who grows hair. <laughs> well, I, I love that the, my uh, my fiance started watching this with me, and she kind of tapped out during the sequ- the glow stick sequence. I'll call it. Um, she was like, "I've I've had enough. This is this is getting a little bit too much intensity for me." And it was like nine o'clock at night, and I was like, "Yeah, all right, that's fair enough. We'll switch to something else." Um, but she she mentioned that she was very distraught by the fact that when that car wrecks into the vehicle and then all of a sudden patient zero is like knocked out or whatever his, his carrying tube is uh, knocked out. And then she, he gets on like the radio and calls back to base and is like, Hey, like we had a situation here. We need immediate evac, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, is the, vessel damaged and he's like no yeah probably a little bit and she's like okay give me one second and then she comes back and she's like you get the fuck out of there you run (laughs) now and he's just like hmm well that's an interesting reaction and just like (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Are you not a military personnel? Like, can you imagine if someone just broke rank and was like, you need to get the fuck out of there right now? And you would just be like, huh, well, that seems silly. You know, it's just like. <laughs> and yet you saw what happened the last year and a half with a national crisis. <laughs> like, <laughs> people sure. will act the way they act. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, I, and I think if we're even going to stay in the horror world for that, it's just the sense of Snyder trying to have fun with a trope that is very much not successful to be. Because I had the same reaction. You know, you're trying to you're trying to be funny because the government is literally like, oh no, one of our secrets is about to get out, and this is going to get terrible. Get the fuck out of there! And the dumb military guys are like, oh, let's go see what's in there anyway. I don't care. They said to go away, and so I find that as Snyder trying to play with a trope, and I find it not succeeding. And I think that's, again, one of the things that Snyder's trying to do throughout the film. And he's trying to call back to the horror history. He's trying to play around in a mm-hmm. genre that people are very familiar with and try to have some fun with it. And I, it just like didn't translate. And to go back to reading between the margins and what exists outside the margins of this film, this very much feels like how many ever, especially right now, we're getting a lot of movies that focus on a franchise and not a single film. And it, mm-hmm. this one seems so, so very much like Snyder was thinking about everything else he could do in the army of the dead universe. And he really should have just honed it into army of the dead, make your good movie first and then do everything else after, because there's a <laughs> lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that he does not, or let's not even say he thinks about it, but he's thinking about it in a way that does not translate to a single film. And we don't get that context. We're not behind the camera. We're not in his mind. Yeah, and I think another way this comes out is any sequence that he tries to do between Batista and Purnell, who play father and daughter, comes off like they're flirting with one another. I do not buy them as kin in any way, and it really feels like she's his love interest in the movie, not the other chick. Well, she's the other chick's only love interest for all of one scene. Exactly. And, and then she's <laughs> I built in. I feel like you got the sense that there was something there when he goes to the junkyard or wherever she's working. Yeah, they have like a you don't have beers on a car at twilight with someone if you haven't had some kind of romantic past. I mean, it's still like a Tuesday for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there was something winking between them. Sure. Oh, yeah. But the real romance was between him and the daughter. And none of that was directed in a way that felt like it was anything but incestuous to me. The only the chemistry that I go back to in the savior of the film for me is Vanderhoe and Dieter. Uh, Amari Hardwick mm-hmm. plays Vanderhoe. Matthias Schweinhofer plays Dieter. And what you have is the soft boy safe cracker who just wants to get in. And he's so obsessed with this. Also, again, maybe like sexually obsessed with this safe <laughs> that he wants to crack. And Vanderhoe, Amari Hardwick is the muscly, big, I'm just going to get in, kick ass, get out. Like I am here mm-hmm. just to to kick zombie ass and they're coming together as very abrasive at first because soft boy doing a lot of dumb things and hard boy has to (laughs) keep him safe man when they finally have their moment of that fist bump it's like this little fist bump of just appreciation and how they grow from there like i wanted so much more of that that the start of (laughs) an entire spinoff there it's the start of so many slash picks I can't even tell you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's going to be so many TikToks, you know, that are just like clips of them from the movie. 
so with some good. sappy song over it. So like that, and but that I think that kind of chemistry and that relationship drawing definitely makes me think that Snyder knows at times the movie he's making, and you see mm-hmm. that, and you're like, good, you you've done such good character work focused here, and then you look at like the eight other people along on that journey, and how most of them aren't benefited in any other way, and you're like, I know what you can do, and that's the frustrating part. I know what you can do. Did you kind of set yourself too thin here? Did you? have the time to really do that everywhere you wanted to. And I just think about the other army of the dead that I thought we were going to get and how that didn't come to fruition. Well, look, you know, yeah, there's uh, a four hour uh, version of this movie and it's going to give you everything you want. You just got to wait five years mm-hmm. and two fan campaigns. Yeah. But I want the two hour version that does it way fucking better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, it, here's, here's the thing. So it, it is interesting that you kind of go back to that, Brian, because, uh, a Netflix has already been like, don't fucking ask for the Snyder cut. You got it. Like if we gave him carte blanche, <laughs> this movie's two and a half hours. Like what the, the fuck do you want from us? Uh, yeah. Uh, but also I do think that Snyder has a reputation by now. Right. And like the justice league film the one that we got uh in theaters like rightfully or wrongfully isn't snyder's movie right like that was reshot that was kind of re-edited put back together by joss so i don't want to say that that is his film but the version that we got what from him was fucking four hours and i can't see him trimming any of that down without losing a lot of the character building and stuff like that so i think what we have here is maybe a director that can't edit himself right and so he keeps making these giant fucking epics i remember when uh batman versus superman came out and there was a director's cut of that and a lot of wb executives were pushing back about like how some fans were reacting and being like well there's plot holes all over that and a w like a higher level wb executive was like well you're missing some of the story of this beat and this beat and my pushback to that was it's not in the fucking movie. So how am I supposed to know any of this shit? Right. And so I think Snyder in a way, maybe he is this kind of big Epic filmmaker at his core. And he keeps running into runtime issues where he keeps wanting it to be bigger and bigger and longer. And he doesn't know how to edit it out without editing crucial information fun stuff like yeah the fact that we skip through all of the character building of the game getting put back together to begin with is just mind-boggling to me like spend those yeah, opening credits yes we would two and a half hours like there should be plenty of time exactly like like you would you would think you would think yeah that you would have enough time to set up and execute on that kind of stuff and instead I'm learning about the relationship and we're finding out that they are romantic part, like previous romantic partners two hours into this fucking movie. Like what? what? (laughs) That's way too late. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, like what have we been doing with all of this runtime? If we haven't been building these characters in a, in a efficient 
manner, right? And so, you know, I, I would say, say what you want about a lot of the Marvel movies and things like that, but at least I don't need a three-hour cut of some of, the, well, I mean, Endgame is, is its own thing, but, you know, most of those films are very tight and efficient about, like, what they're trying to do. They know what they're trying to get out of the audience. They got to set it up. They got to execute, and let's get the fuck out of here. Well, and those so, movies yeah, also like, get away with that by not having their characters have any interpersonal life but that's how they get around with it though too i mean like i I think that's the other thing where what netflix to me at least what they're good at highlighting very much is by giving their creators carte blanche and saying you can do whatever you want it very much highlights to me that filmmaking is collaborative filmmaking requires a director requires an editor and requires producers to say Mm -hmm. hey you are an art auteur zach snyder sure if we want to use that word that's fine (laughs) but you have this vision and you are not wavering on it. We are the outside party telling you, you should probably waver on that because we have your movie's best interest. We want to make money. This is a thing we have to work together to get down. So if Zack Snyder still, after making movies for however long he's been making movies, still cannot get his point across in under four hours, like that's a problem. And mm-hmm. I, it's the thing of, listen, as a writer, I would be nothing without an editor. The things that I would want to publish myself and say, this is good to go. And then an editor comes back and tells me, hey, this is pretty good to go, but I want to slash 500 words out. How do you think about this? And I go, wow, that's a lot fucking better. Luckily, it doesn't happen that often, but there's a reason why editors are there to say, I know you think this is necessary. Maybe it's not. Maybe this isn't necessary because I'm reading it from an outside context. Uh, And if we want to go back to filmmaking, Zack Snyder, you've been making this movie for over a year now. You have everything where you want it, but you're very close to this movie. This is your baby. We are coming in to tell you, hmm, maybe we need to chop this up. And I I think the Justice League is a different scenario because, again, you gave it to somebody else. It was a totally different clusterfuck, for lack of a better sense. And that's one scenario. But in the regular scenario of a Zack Snyder wanting to do his two and a half hour movie. And listen, I might've liked army a little better if it was shorter and less dense. And it actually just got some of that stuff out that distracted me. So that's mm-hmm. Snyder's vision. I get it. That's what he wanted to put out. But in the same respect, it's just like, you need someone to step in there and say, this maybe can be a little tighter and better. Uh, and I, and again, I feel like Netflix has shown us that over the years because they let their filmmakers do whatever they want. And I look at some of these movies and I go, wow, I wish there were 20 minutes off of that. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I mean that's I, Netflix I wish, to a T. Right, and Netflix has yeah, that I, issue. I wish, I mean, I wish, there's, there's been a couple that I that I know, like Okja, I was like, oh God, like why did you let this person do everything they wanted? Uh, where was the person to step in and say, mm-hmm. are we sure we want Jake Gyllenhaal doing that? Um, oh, I wanted more of Roma. that. <laughs> Roma, I felt the same way about you know, Netflix is is like the uh, like a gene, like an evil genie. You know, it's just like grant me this wish. It's like okay, but it's gonna bring out all the bad of you. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Well, it's, the only people who really navigated say- it have been Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese, I guess. Uh, Scorsese's that is. That is a mixed bag, I think, kind of across I'm sorry, the board. Sorry, but the Irishman is flawless. Um, some people so really hail that. Talking about the Irishman yeah, should have been see, a television and, show, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, th- that's again. Th- these are the reactions that you get, right? So uh, it's it's varied, uh, but. 
No, I think I think what's interesting though is that someone else that kind of gave filmmakers carte blanche, but gave them, I guess, a budget was Anna Perna Pictures, right? And so, you know, it, she she was fucking just writing off checks to filmmakers that weren't used to having carte blanche, and something tells me that she didn't give them carte blanche. Something tells me that you know she gave them a budget and was like, here's your budget, come back to me with a movie and then we'll talk about how to market it. Right. And I think that's part of the issue is, you know, what you're getting at is they give these creators carte blanche that maybe inside, and I hate saying this, right, but inside a studio system that's actually facing theatrical release and all of the stuff, maybe it works better. Right. Maybe there is a reason why, you know, Jaws is like two hours instead of two and a half hours. Right. Um, and certain things like that. You know, uh, if if you listen back to Spielberg kind of talk about his movie, uh, he shot this extra sequence of of like a, a scare sequence in a boat and he didn't have enough budget for it. And so he fucking like just took money out of his own pocket and filmed it. And he, to this day, is like, yeah, that kind of ruined one of my bigger scares in the film because I get a scare earlier. And, you know, it just is one of those things where filmmakers are exactly the demon that they are, where they're, you know, sometimes they're their own worst enemy. So, yeah, maybe maybe we need a fucking better editor, uh, you know, for for Snyder specifically. A wrangler. Or just, again, someone to <laughs> write his fucking scripts. Speaking of time, I think Brian needs some cake pretty soon. <laughs> My family may destroy me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, does anyone have any any final thoughts on this? I mean, the ending is not good i don't know like this the the whole private jet thing i don't like the fact that he's bit because it actually brings up like a lot more questions when did he get like, bit yeah how not even that i think that people to turn well the, the other thing is i i thought it was gonna set it up where they were gonna survive and maybe someone like tells them hey i shoved uh, the big chainsaw dude inside a zit inside a safe. Uh, I think maybe that should be good against the nuclear explosion that just went off. Maybe I don't know. And they go back and they hunt him down and they find two hundred million dollars and they're like, woohoo! Like I thought that was going to be the last thirty minutes of this movie. Like legit, I was. I looked at the runtime and I was like, oh, it's got thirty minutes. And then they kick him inside that vault and I'm like, oh, that's what they're going to do. They're going to rescue the money after the thing explodes. And it's like, yeah, I thought he was going to nah, come out just, and like find Scott's daughter and give the money and mm-hmm. do stuff. And instead he's yeah. just like, all right, I'm going to take this private plane to Mexico. Oops. I got bit, I don't know, seven <laughs> yeah. days ago, but I'm still not a zombie. Also yeah. radiation. I don't know. Maybe if all those yeah. nuclear bombs dropped, he couldn't just well, immediately walk out and I be mean, like, I'm not baked. It's fine. Yeah. I, I thought that was interesting. Like lazy yeah, you, you writing. See- <laughs> yes, it is. Um, I will say what, what's not lazy writing is when the news person is quoting the president 
Yes. Yeah, really I did not care really, for that. Really, really good. No, I thought that was funny. Really that... dating. Hmm? It was really dating. Like, well, I'm going to see that. Hey. If I watch it again, I'm going to be like, oh, this is such a like a Trumpian movie or something. Like in the way that I watch like The Good Wife and I'm like, oh, this is such like the Obama years. I don't see I mean, that art is going to reflect. I'm okay with that. I know, but it's just yeah. like I really roll my eyes at that stuff. And it's it's nothing specific to the Trump administration. It's just like anything that is so obviously a reflection is just dating to me. Well, I mean, they cast Sean Spicer in the damn movie. Like, cool. Wait. Yeah. Did they? Yeah, Sean Spicer has a whole yes. part in Army, and it's just like, did we really have to? Like, you made the comment already, and why are we giving this man money and putting him on te- on screen? Like, cool. Yeah, definitely didn't notice that. No. Oh yeah, yeah he's the talking either. head. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. Oh yeah, he yep. is credited as male pundit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Real Mundit. fun, uh, real fun joke, you know, because that's how we joke about these things. We give them more platform. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even remember what Sean Spicer's job was. Um, good hmm. Spicer and Co. That's yeah. You don't you don't need to find out. We don't need to go okay. down that I, rabbit I, hole. Yeah, I think I think anyway, we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're, we I survived. Think we're <laughs> um, so that you gotta good. say it, Bill. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this is the one zombies of the are coming. Let's go. I haven't even asked about Cora because I'd be disturbed if you showed this movie to her. So she was around while I was watching it, but she did not see any of it. Okay. Because again, like I'm on family vacation. So like a lot of this movie was watched in the vicinity of other members of my family. Um, You know, you'll just wait till that she goes into therapy in 20 years and then you'll learn something different. It's going to be, yeah. He was watching this zombie movie and he wouldn't turn it off. I am really fucking long. (laughs) Why am I scared of tigers? She watched part of the Bourne supremacy today, and um, it was the scene where Jason Bourne like murders someone in their own kitchen, and uh, after like a prolonged fight, and she said, "What happened?" And I said, "The good guy won." I've never seen it. Oh well, you know. I just, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to say. Like, well, Jason Bourne had to murder that guy. So I was just like, they had a fight and the good guy won. She's like, oh, okay. I didn't lie. Well, you need to know what that totally is. With it. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's all for today. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about Zack Snyder's <laughs> Army of the Dead, uh, which again is now on Netflix. And um, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Pleasure. thank you. Thank you for, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Uh, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next time? The Quiet Place 2. All right. And um, it's it's going to be like two weeks until you hear from us again. And then you're going to get two episodes like right in a row. Because mm-hmm, we're allowed to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you'll still be getting, you know, if you divvied it out uh, an episode a week. But there's just going to be one week where there's two of them. So enjoy your break from us as we will enjoy our break from you and um can't wait to uh, speak to y'all again and don't forget that we are brought to you by mubi go to mubi.com slash for a free 30-day trial and don't forget to go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears let us begin with our guests matt donato yes where can people find you can find online? me 
at Donatobomb, D-O-N-A-T-O-B-O-M-B, on Letterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter. And from there, I will tweet about all the things I write about weekly, whether that be reviewing films or writing about horror for Fangoria or doing all the other things that I think I'm pretty good at doing. So please follow me there. I will tell you all the world. Also, I have a podcast, Sort of Had Forgotten Podcast. And we also have a Patreon if you would like to check that out. We review horror movies with five or less critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and we reappraise them. So come join us, talk about some weird fucking nice. horror films. That's all. Bill Graham. That's all I got. Robin Barr. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm also on Litterboxd. And yeah, and you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. Um, You know, I'm around. As for me, you can find my stuff online at Brian J. Rowan on Twitter and uh, really every other social media thing, uh, Brian J. Rowan. Go to Instagram, see pictures of the beach. Good times. And uh, don't forget to go to brianjrowan.com for more of my writing. And of course, you can find all of my stuff over at thefilmstage.com, where you can also find every episode of this podcast in existence. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas!